Welcome to Fuel for Today, curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We are confident this will fuel your faith in the one who gives faith. If you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for your life, a plan that is far better, bigger, and immensely more than anything you have ever imagined. The title of the message is Hang On to Hope. Okay? Hang on to hope. And I want you guys to be thinking about that kind of phrase because I think that it paints a really um, good imagery of how we as Christians need to live. And if you have ever have um, experienced a very difficult time in your life, you know that the last thing that you experience is probably hope in that moment. You hope that the situation would be better. You hope that something would happen and things would go your way. So hang on to hope. Um, if you want to hashtag it, it's H-O-T-H, so hot H, hang, hang on to hope. Um, and uh, so when we talk about hang on to hope, I don't know about your guys' family traditions or what you guys do in your household, but um, in my household, and uh, what we like to do is we like to start decorating for Christmas very early, okay? Very early. In fact, uh, my wife insists that we start decorating for Christmas well before even uh, Thanksgiving starts to roll around on the horizon. And I personally love that. I love extending the holiday season as much as I possibly can. Sometimes we even uh, leave our Christmas decorations up um, in January. And uh, it's really cool. It just it provides for a very festive atmosphere. And you guys probably have some sort of similar traditions in your home. I know some families are very regimented and they absolutely cannot start decorating until after Thanksgiving, which is completely fine. We, you're okay if you do that. No, no problem there. Um, but we like to do it earlier and we like to decorate the entire house. And um, as of no surprise to you, most likely, I'm not much a part of that decoration process, except maybe carrying stuff. Um, and I leave all the design stuff to my wife. And so when I look at, see what she's doing, how she's kind of hanging the ornaments or um, hanging the sto- stockings or putting all the other stuff together, I, f- I find a similar pattern of hanging stuff onto something, okay? And that's why I want to title the message, Hang On to Hope. So um, as you guys are going to be decorating your homes, as you guys are already doing that, as you go to maybe malls or shopping centers, you guys see um, decorated Christmas trees, right? You guys see decorated displays. Um, you guys feel Christmas in the air, maybe not in the parking lots. That just feels like hell sometimes. But that's besides the point, right? Southern California. Um, so what happens is, think of the time when, if you've ever been with your family and you're decorating the Christmas tree, some of you guys maybe have a tradition of doing that. And you guys are all around the Christmas tree and you're taking those ornaments and you're hanging them on the tree. Think in that moment, hang on to hope. When you're putting the ornaments onto the, to the tree, if you guys um, put stockings on your fireplace, think of the fact that when you're hanging those stockings, hang on to hope. This one might not apply much to Southern California because we don't really get much of a winter, but if you're going to get any traveling done uh, this year or maybe it gets a little bit chilly in the evening and you hang your coat up somewhere, you hang up your scarf or your hat, hang on to hope. I want that to be an imagery. Whenever you hold on to something, you hold somebody's hand, you shake somebody's hand, you give somebody a hug, you experience um, some sort of a, 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 a hanging on to, think of hope. 
hang on to hope. This is the thing that we have, and the hope that you and I have is found in Jesus. And if we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, and the first book in the New Testament, which is Matthew, there's a period of 400 years of complete silence, which means that the Israelite nation were waiting for a Messiah. They were hoping for a Messiah, but it did not yet come into fruition until only 400 years later. So imagine if you were waiting for some news to arrive, not just for a day or an hour or a month or a year, but 400 years, right? It's four centuries. It's quite a long time. There needs to be something that propels you to go forward. And that's hope. That's what the Israelite nation had. They had the hope of the Messiah. They hung on to hope. That's what you and I do. So whatever it is that you and I are going through at this particular moment, we need to understand that Jesus is good. He knows your situation. He wants you to hang on to him. Hang on to hope. And hope is actually produced by faith. So when you and I believe in Jesus, when we believe that he's sovereign over everything, we have hope that he will get us through whatever it is that we're going through. Amen? Amen. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 19. Here's what um, this book says. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The first question that I want to ask you guys or the first thing I want to focus on is why hope? Why hang on to hope? It's a good question. Why why is hope something that you and I can firmly place our trust in? Number one, because we have confidence. If you look at this particular text, and if you look specifically at verse 19, it says, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. The thing is this, um, we have confidence because Jesus Christ came to earth and he was the sacrificial lamb that took away the sins of the world. The world absolutely had no way of salvation. All of us were doomed, but Jesus Christ comes in. He's our hope. He goes to the cross. Instead of an animal going to be sacrificed, Jesus himself is sacrificed. And he gives us his righteousness and his holiness. And that's why you and I have hope. I don't know about you, but being confident in something makes you a person that knows exactly what's going on. If you've ever tried to learn like a new skill set or you've started a new job or you've learned a new instrument or something like that, you know that the better you are at it, the more confident you are. And in fact, confidence can get you a very, very long way because it kind of boosts you into going forward. So when you and I are going through our life, whatever situation we're in, and we're thinking about hope, number one thing, why we hope? Because we're confident. We know that Jesus is not anymore on the cross. We know that Jesus is not anymore in the tomb. We know that Jesus is good. He's ruling. He's reigning. And we have confidence in that. And the thing is, a lot of times people say, 
I know Jesus, I do have hope, but I've had so many things happen in my life that were bad that I really feel like Jesus is not going to accept me. Here's what I want to say. You don't need to clean up to come to God. Are you guys with me? You don't need to clean up to come to God. God says, come to me, give me your mess. I will take it upon myself and I will give you my cleanliness. I will give you my righteousness. I will give me my purity. I will give you my life. Are you guys with me? So God is not demanding us to make right with everything we have going on in our life and then come to him. God says, without me, you won't be able to make things right either way. So please come to me and I will take your mess upon myself. And so this is why the first thing I want to say is that we need to be confident. And here's the thing. Before, in the Old Testament, people were forbidden to enter this place called the Holy of Holies. There was this place in the temple where the Spirit of God was, was residing. And only the high priests were able to enter into that in order to experience the presence of God and then to come back to people and retell them what ultimately happened. And so people were, were scared to come into the Holy of Holies for fear of their lives. They were forbidden from that. And the whole point of hope for 400 years in the silence was people were saying that there was a Messiah that was to come that's going to be God in the flesh, which is Jesus Christ, and we can dwell with Him. And so what you and I are experiencing, direct access to Jesus, is not something historically that everyone always had. In the Old Testament, people only saw the shadow of what is to come. They thought about, about Jesus. They thought about what's going to happen. The prophets prophesied about Him. And now you and me in this Christmas, Christmas season, we're hanging on to hope. And it's a confident hope. It's a hope that's unwavering. We know that Jesus is God. We know how the story ends. And so you and I have confidence, which means that we can confidently repent of our sin. We can confidently share the gospel with other people. We can confidently go about our lives, our problems, our situations, our conflicts, knowing that Jesus is good and our goal is to image him. Amen? So that's the first thing I wanted to say. We are confident because we're confident. Hang on to hope. The second thing is this. We need to hang on to hope because Jesus makes all things new. If you look at verses 20 and 21, here's what the Bible says. He gives us the confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus positions a new way. And if you read the New Testament, um, Jesus was actually talked about as the way. Christianity, as you and I know it, kind of like an organized religion where Jesus is God, in the New Testament, it was called the way. The disciples were called people of the way. The, the apostles were people of the way. If you began to uh, follow Jesus in the New Testament church, you actually had a risk of being persecuted or even being killed because you were of the way. And that's the whole point of Jesus, that he offers a new way of life, right? Completely different from the old way. And so what that means for you and for me is that when we look at life situations, we need to look at them from a new way, from a Jesus way. It means that we have to ask people for forgiveness. We have to repent of our sin. We read our Bibles. We come to church and we, we do things that it seems completely foolish to the world. If you have ever had anybody who might be an unbeliever ridicule you or say to you, what is the point of you coming to church every Sunday? Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you going to a Bible study group? Why are you tithing to church? 
If you've ever had people say that to you, it means most likely you are on the right track because you are a disciple of the way. It's a new way. And Paul says to the world, it's complete foolishness, but this is the wisdom of God. And so things that seem completely foolish and just not understandable by people in the world to God, it's actually great because you and I are living under a new order. It's a new way of new way of life. It's a new way of uh, doing things. And the way that Jesus did the new order is the following. In the Old Testament, we have a curtain through which no one can pass to go into the presence of God except the high priest. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ becomes our high priest. Okay? In the Old Testament, people longed to go behind the curtain to see the presence of God, but they could not because only the high priest can do that. And then they would come out and retell the people of what happened in there. In the New Testament, on the cross, what Jesus does is uh, during his death, the curtain in the temple is torn in half. And that is a symbolism of the presence of God being opened up to all people. You guys still with me? So in the New Testament, the presence of God was closed off only to the high priests. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ becomes our high priests, tears the veil in half, opens up his presence and says, come to me, follow me, I will give you rest, I will give you salvation, I will give you an anchor for your soul, I will give you that which is hope. So Jesus Christ is our great high priest who is better than any other priest in the Old Testament. listening to this curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired by this message. Bogdan is personally convinced that whatever fills your mind fuels your life. It is his life goal to help you faithfully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit fuelforlife.tv.